Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to Life in a Leo. I'm your host, Rebecca Degnrove. Thanks for tuning in today. I have a great episode lined up for you. This is episode 40, and it's the first time I've had an Olympian on the show. I am so grateful to have you guys tuning in and checking out all my new episodes, even though they aren't as frequent anymore. It really means a lot. Unfortunately, my audio got a little glitchy at times with this interview, so it sounds like we are talking over each other at times, or you can't fully hear the questions being asked. I'm so sorry about that. I think you will get the gist of what's being said, though, and hopefully enjoy the wonderful interview. Without further ado, let's start the show so you can enjoy my wonderful guest, Betty Okino. Today on the Leo, I am with the amazing Betty Okino. Betty, can you please uh, start by introducing yourself and give us the background? My name is Betty Okino. I am a 1992 Olympian. Uh, (laughs) Historical fact, part of the first (laughs) team to ever win a team medal in a non-boycotted Olympics. So we kind of it's like our, our claim to fame. We got the ball rolling a little bit. Amazing. <laughs> yep. I was born in Uganda, Africa. I moved to Romania when I was one. So I'm half Ugandan, half Romanian. And I came to the U.S. when I was about two and a half. I grew up in rural Illinois where I started dancing first because my brother and I would put on these little shows for my parents and their friends when they had parties. And so my mom said, if we're going to be entertaining, we might as well at least learn how to dance and do it right. (laughs) So she put us in dance classes. So then that became like our passion. We danced competitively in a lot of like the national competitions from about age four till nine, 10, because around nine is when gymnastics started. What kind of dance? Tap, jazz, ballet, modern, what was modern then has now okay. evolved into like a modern contemporary. So it wasn't exactly contemporary, but modern uh, tap, jazz, ballet. Wow. Yeah, that works. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so then I started gymnastics. I was obsessed with it because my mom had always read me the stories of Nadia, her being from Romania, Nadia being a hero, uh, mm-hmm. Not only for a lot of little girls in Romania, but a lot of little girls around the world with what she accomplished in the Olympics. Yep. So then I became fascinated by gymnastics and the Olympics And when I was five, six. And I would always say to my mom that I want to be a gymnast when I grow up. Um, so then I watched the 84 Olympics and saw Mary Lou Retton win her gold medal for the U.S. And just it, uh, I was enamored by by all of it. And so kept begging to do gymnastics. And where we lived in Illinois, there was no gymnastics gyms. There was dance studios and there was like a tumbling gym. So my mom, after me begging, begging endlessly, took me to this tumbling gym and got me started in tumbling. They had gymnastics equipment there. They just didn't teach gymnastics. And I still wanted to do gymnastics. So she started coaching me. We rented the gym from the owner for a couple hours uh, each week, and she started coaching me in gymnastics, all the events. And so then oh I started gosh. competing. And then I kept doing gymnastics and competing up to the point where she could no longer coach me and felt like I'd benefit from, and we had help from other gyms in the area and her going to different clinics and like congresses and those sort of things and learning. Uh huh. And then I moved to 
We moved to Chicago suburbs for my gymnastics, where I started training at a gym called Illinois Gymnastics Institute. They host a really big meet every single year that a lot of the young kids probably listening to this might go to. It's called Chicago <laughs> Style. Okay. And that is where I kind of took off as an elite gymnast. And from there, I moved to Carolis, since that was always my dream, to train with them, thinking that the only way I could make it to the Olympics, which became my obsession, was if I trained with them. So I moved away from home when I was 13 and began wow. training with Bella and Marta. And then the rest, I guess, is kind of, <laughs> I kind of already said it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What an amazing introduction into the sport. Um, I'm like blown away. So were you just talented or because your drive was so incredible that like like how were you able it seems like you picked the sport up really well really fast I did I think there's there's definitely a natural talent there but uh-huh. I you know you come across so many super talented uh, young athletes and I think what makes the difference is whatever your mental perspective is and I for whatever reason just knew that that is what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. And I knew it from a really young age. And cause I had plenty of people, I didn't grow up in an area or a place or look like a lot of the other gymnasts that were, you know, on the national team and were competing for the country and were competing at world championships and the Olympics. And so there was no real f- frame of reference. And so I m- came up against a lot of opposition on my way there. People saying, okay, that's, that's really sweet, but let's just <laughs> narrow your <laughs> expectations a little bit. Take it down a little bit. <laughs> uh-huh. Like there's no way that's going to happen. You're how old and you haven't ever even done gymnastics. Um, wow. Or um, I'm, I was also considered tall. So a lot of different in, in where I was and my mom was my coach. And how can you actually expect to go to the Olympics? And, and it was a different mm-hmm. time for the sport, unlike now where uh, – we all, no matter what gym you're from, where you're from, you all, everybody has access to the same techniques and the same progressions and the same drills and the same ability to develop an athlete where back then everything was very, information was um, hoarded. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. it closed off and sheltered. So you didn't, you, you can't, couldn't necessarily be a mom helping your daughter out in the middle of Illinois, helping her do gymnastics and have access to the best training techniques that our elite athletes are using, where you can now. Right, right, right. So what year was it when you ended up um, moving to Texas? It was... Jeez. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it was 88. Yeah. Okay, so it was like just before... So four years before you ended up going to the right. Olympics, you started training under the Corps. Correct. And... Um, did you feel like that shift? I mean, I know at that time people definitely traveled to work with very specific coaches. So you were with like a network of other elites, mm-hmm. like having that, that dynamic. I mean, was it more the mindset of being there and being part of this group that helped propel you even further? Or do you think like, or a combination of things that really drove you guys to be so great? I feel like it was a combination of things for me. I had the benefit of uh, becoming an elite gymnast with another coach other than Bella. Um, Uh His name is Todd Gardner. I know a lot of people have heard of him. 
So uh-huh. he was my coach. So I had bec- what I was doing as an athlete, like the skills I already had by the time I moved to Crowley's. I didn't learn much in that way. But okay. the year before I moved to Crowley's, I competed at championships as a junior. Was I junior? Yeah, as a junior. And I ended up like 21st. I think there was only like 23 kids competing. <laughs> okay. In okay. the following year... And I had only been at Crowley's for six months. I, at championships, I ended up second and as a senior. And wow. Kim was first. And the only, is a mescal. Yep. And the only thing really that changed, if you look at my routines from the championships prior to that, to that championships, was my confidence. Mm-hmm. My level of confidence had gone, gone up a level. My skill level wasn't any different. But the way I appeared and presented myself as an athlete was like night and day. And the only thing that uh-huh. changed within that was I was in my mind. I knew that I was training with the best, the best athletes uh-huh. and the best coaches. And those coaches and athletes had a mental idea of where they were going and they had been there before. So they knew they were going to get there. And so yeah. I became swept up in that. I bought into it 100%. And because of that, it raised the level of my performance. Wow. It's amazing how powerful the mind is. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. I always <laughs> recount that because it's like, it shouldn't be. How could you have gone so far in six months from 21st to second? Like, it doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. You know, there's not enough time uh-huh. to progress that quickly. And if you see it, like what I'm doing, the progress is all in the way I carry myself, my mind. Uh-huh. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Going a little bit more into detail in your gymnastics, what was your favorite event? Hmm. Well, different events for different reasons. <laughs> My okay. favorite, I would say, was beam because that was most comfortable for me. It was the event mm-hmm. I had access to from the very beginning. My dad made me a beam with, you know, he cut out the wood. And he carpeted it with just regular carpet, so it wasn't like the uh-huh. leather. And so I had it in my garage, and I would pull it out onto the sidewalk in my front yard, and I would play on that thing all day, <laughs> all night. Any chance I could get, I was on that beam. So I was doing the triple turn, which was later named the Okino, on my beam yeah. from the time I was nine years old, just playing around mm-hmm. with it because I was a dancer, and that's what you do in dance spin Mm -hmm. a lot so I would take like my dance routines and I would put them on the beam and I would start playing with them so beam was my favorite insofar as it was totally uh organic to me Uh bars Uh later became my favorite which was the most difficult for me to pick up initially because through dance obviously I could pick up beam tumbling wasn't that you know that difficult floor wasn't that difficult but bars was because zero upper Mm -hmm. body strength that I had developed up to that point. But once I got this hang of it, bars because of the, the air, that feeling of flying um, yep. that you experience. And vault, the same reason. Vault, I liked competing for that same thing, that feeling of flying and the feeling of sticking a landing. Uh-huh. And the rhythm uh-huh. of it, like the sound of it, it goes. Yeah. It always felt good. Yeah, I, uh, uh, that's so funny. Floor was always my favorite event because I like to tumble for that same feeling of flying. flying. So did you like Mm -hmm. dancing then? I did. I did. I competed 
in college, I did floor and vault were my events. I was always a really big chicken. <laughs> so I had probably good basics on bars, but was too afraid to do anything worth any value. Mm-hmm. And then, and same thing on beam. Like I just was too afraid to throw anything worth anything. But what I love <laughs> about that is that you found your strengths and then you, and you, you uh, capitalized on them. Yeah. I mean, the, the college team that I went to and the coaches, it was all a really good fit and it fit where I was at at that time in my life too. So, um, yeah, I was able to thrive in the sport through that experience. So what, oh my gosh. I mean, I've, I don't think I've talked to anybody that's been to the Olympics on the show. So what was that like? (laughs) The Olympics, it felt, uh, it felt big. So walking mm-hmm. out onto, I remember before we went out. So then there was compulsories uh, right. as well at the senior elite level and at the Olympics. So our first step out onto the Olympic floor was for the compulsory competition. And for whatever reason, that year in Barcelona, and I think it was due to the triple cast maybe, it was due to television. NBC did a triple cast, but they broke okay. up the compulsories. So we didn't get to compete all together, all six of us as a team for compulsories. We did sessions. So there was two, I think maybe Wendy, Bruce and Dominique Dawes competed in the morning session for compulsories. (laughs) It was weird. And then Carrie Strug and I competed (laughs) in the afternoon session for compulsories. And then Kim's Maskell and Shannon Miller competed in the evening session, but it all figured into the team score. So we, Carrie and I were waiting in the back before we walked out um, through the corridor into the stadium. And the feeling that came over us all of a sudden was like, oh my gosh, this is big. You can feel sort of the immensity of it. And so all the work became about controlling that energy mm-hmm. and harnessing it and using it towards power and not becoming overwhelmed. Because the moment we stepped out onto the stadium floor, you could feel sort of the magnitude of it. And we had competed at world championships before where there was, you know, 40,000, 50,000 plus. So, but it was that much bigger. It was awesome. It was, it was really awesome. It was one of those things that I, I, uh, I, there's a slight amount of envy for my teammates that went back for a second one, you know, cause then you can experience it. Uh, you can actually live in the moment. It was fun. We got to meet the first the first dream team, which if anybody pays attention oh, to the cool. history of that, that was like the team with all of the legends in basketball history, which was pretty awesome. Uh, that was maybe one of the highlights. That and seeing the American flag ra- raised and getting a medal. But yeah. You have like, it's the whole, do you feel like you can look back and you have vivid memories from that? Ex- the The memory you have from the Olympics, is it like, do you, do you have memory of all the ex- took place while you were there or because it was so big and um, surreal, it's just kind of like uh, uh, flashes. flashes. Remember every everything? There's, yeah. Flashes and moments. Flashes. And not everything. I mean, some are the, the magical moments and then flashes of the not so magical moments. <laughs> <laughs> but everything sort of comes like in moments and flashes. I'm definitely much more... <laughs> present in my life now than I was then. So obviously there's a lot of those in between parts that uh-huh. are kind of not, un- not clear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. where like I was, I had issues with fear on beam and bars to, you know, did you ever have to deal with yeah. fear uh, sing through the sport? And how did, how did you deal with that? Yeah, I did. I, That's one of the most beautiful things about our sport, isn't it? It forces us to face our fears daily. I had fear every single time I went to do a Yurichenko vault. Yeah. <laughs> every time. So I, you know, it's so powerful to be able to re- recognize that that is there, that fear is there, and then to decide what am I going to do in relation to it. I can choose not to do the vault at all, which would have limited my ability to compete at a higher level because I was certainly not very powerful <laughs> in so far as like mm-hmm. your chango mm-hmm. vault, vault <laughs> opened up the vault world for me because handspring fronts weren't uh-huh. really happening, you know, souk doubles or souk layout folds, those weren't really happening, but out of a year chenko, I could get power. So it's very, um, so every time I did that vault, I was aware of fear and I had to choose to, uh, to, to govern it. Mm-hmm. And every time there was a new, that moment when they, you know, you have to do it by yourself. <laughs> Any new skill, that moment that, okay, now you're doing it by yourself, even yeah. though you've caught it. If it's a release on bars several times over the pit with your coach standing there, now you're doing it by yourself over the regular bars. And so then there's that moment. I think that's the most unique yeah. thing about gymnastics. And one of the things I, I feel like makes it such a great tool for empowering young people is that you have the opportunity to face fear, valid, real fear, and then decide what to do in relation to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how did you, how did you I learn to manage it? I would talk to myself in my head. I, because I knew and understood to some degree that every battle is going to be won in my mind first, I would talk to myself and tell myself what it is I wanted to feel like. I wanted to feel strong. I wanted to feel confident. I wanted to feel safe and I wanted to feel capable. I wanted to feel able. And so I would, I would redirect that energy of fear to use it as power. And it worked. I obviously did not necessarily know that's what I was doing at the time. I've had much reflection and been able to look back and say, Oh, Mm -hmm. I get it. That's what I was doing. Even though I was simply doing what I knew how to Uh do. All, you know, all the athletes or people that I had admired, uh-huh, one thing uh-huh. that they always say over and over again is the power of the mind over the body, that every battle is won or lost there. So I would start imitating and mimicking them and applying them in what I was doing. And I, it helped. That's so cool. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to change gears again. So do you have, one of the questions that I always ask on this show is, did you have a lucky Leo or a favorite Leo or one that just really I did. I had a lucky in your mind number, as being so most I memorable. I got the number 23. Oh, <laughs> that's my favorite number, number too. Like my... <laughs> that's a good number. Is yeah. it like, yeah. was that Magic Johnson's all, like, number? So, all my, so many of my too, highlight right? okay. competitions, <laughs> I was wearing 23. So that was, and I had a favorite, um, I had a lucky workout leotard. I had two, where it just seemed like whenever I wore it, I had a good day. Obviously, okay. 100% psychological, but, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, one was <laughs> what was did they look red, like? and it had like these. It was red, white, black, and then it had like a splotch trick sort of designs on it. Another one was like really like plain, sort of maroon colored. It was and it had maroon, uh, white flowers on it, and sort of like a white uh, trim around the neck. That one wasn't that cute, like when I looked at it, but I always had a good day <laughs> in it. <laughs> With all your all the gear that you guys got for the Olympics, did you get those and the the warm ups and everything? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. I'm gonna frame those leotards. I think they're in a, <laughs> in a box in the garage, but that's a good idea. <laughs> that's so funny. It's funny the other day uh, because Kim just had her Texas Prime meet, and so they always do like Spirit Week beforehand, and they did a retro. Day. And she put her daughter, Riven, who's eight, in our uh, our leotard from <laughs> from the Olympics, and it fit her. Oh my Kim's god, Olympic amazing. leotard fit her. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was amazing. That's so funny. <laughs> what are you up to now, and how are you still involved in the sport of gymnastics? So I am now on the national staff. So I'm coaching at all of our elite developmental training camps. That we have out Congratulations. at Congratulations. Thank you. And I'm also, I created a camp that we tour yep. the country and we go to different gyms around the country. The whole thrust and purpose behind it is to use gymnastics as a tool for uh, creating powerful, strong, beautiful, healthy, young people. Our camps right now are geared mainly towards girls, but it doesn't exclude it doesn't exclude uh, boys either. And I feel like... What are they called? Peak training camps. Cool. And our little, okay. and the athletes are gym ninjas. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> and do you have like a, like how, what, do they do all the events or kind yeah. of like, what is the... So you can go uh, check it out and we have a bunch of videos from our last year's camps. So you can go to our, my website, which is bettyocorio.com. And you can see all the photos from camps and then see the promo videos and okay. get a good idea for it there. But we always do, we hand out journals, we teach the kids how to set an intention, how to set goals, short-term goals, what the value of having an intentional practice is. We do different focus training and mindset drills. We do all four events. I always bring a coaching staff with me, which always has at least a couple other Olympians. And we do team building exercises at some point during the camp. It depends. So we have, uh, th that would be our regular camp, but we also have a high performance camp. And that is structured a little bit more the same way our national training camps are structured. Slightly different. Not quite as much where they, they're not going to create a dance and they're not going to do some of those other things. But really the whole experience and the whole purpose behind it is to see gymnastics as the tool that it is for creating powerful young people and not what it had become, which is sort of depleting rather than empowering. Mm -hmm. Are the camps, is it like a week long? They're maximum three days. What is the time frame typically? They're maximum three day camp. And so, so far in the books, oh, wow. we'll be okay. in Denver, Colorado for a high performance camp. We'll be in Fort Collins, Colorado for a camp open to all, all levels, all kids. Another camp in Austin, Texas, 
another camp in Florida. And I feel like there's another one in the books as well. The whole camp schedule will be is on the website. So we'll be updating it as different camps and locations are added throughout the year. But it's a three-day camp, um, compact and very cool, fun, super fun. And the girls get a great t-shirt and they get a great journal and yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's empowering. It feels good to be a part of the of giving back <laughs> to the sport. Mhm. Mhm. And then I know after your time as a gymnast. <laughs> so yeah, I did. I did do a lot of uh performing. After my time as a gymnast, I went to University of Oklahoma. I went to school, studied journalism. And then from there, I went to oh, wow. Val, Miss Val from UCLA called me to see if I would do her SeaWorld show that she uh, directs and produces every single year, which is, which is at the time it was an ice skating and gymnastics spectacular. So there was a couple of Olympians from figure skating and then us gymnasts. And it was kind of like a Cirque type performance show. I don't know if you've ever seen it. They're really fun and amazing. So that was the first time then I met Val and started working with her which was really fun so that's kind of like jump-started my performance if you will but then from there I went on and did a couple other tours that were both figure skating and gymnastics and then gymnastics tours and then I ended up in LA where I started acting and I started studying acting which was really great for you know I highly recommend it for anybody who's ever been involved in high-level gymnastics Take some theater classes. Yeah. Because it allowed me to get, it was so, especially then, our sport was so rigid and we weren't really allowed to express ourselves as openly, I think, as our athletes are now expected to and the way we want them to. And Mm. we had to control our emotions so often that it became very, I felt like stifled, unable to identify with my emotional world as legitimate and as a source of power and studying acting. That's, that's what they ask you to do. They want you to go to your darkest place or to go to your most extreme emotion (laughs) and learn how to control it and then step out of it. And giving, being given like the freedom to do that felt uh, liberating. So the last question Mm. I have for you is what does life in a Leo mean to you? in a Leo mean to me? Huh. That's a good question. What does life in a Leo mean to me? (laughs) It means to me that time in my life where I may have learned the most about myself because that was what my purpose was in order to do what it is I was trying to do during the time where I wore a Leo most hours of the day. What does life in a Leo mean to you? Nice. <laughs> um, well, so <laughs> I started gymnastics when I was three. So, and I'm still involved in gymnastics. I still judge and help my mom with her business. So you know, I feel like yeah. life in a Leo has kind of been a defining piece of my whole life. The sport of gymnastics, it helped shape who I was growing up. It helped me 
Um, it's mm. always sort of been maybe like mm-hmm. an element of support in my life that I could always turn to for consistency in the good and the bad. And yeah, I mean, I mm-hmm. think for me, life in a Leo, it's just, <laughs> just same. also <laughs> part of who I am. You know, like I will never put on a Leo Well, I don't know if I'll say never. <laughs> but, oh God. But, um, <laughs> Well, I have a picture oh, no, of you. That's right. If, if you'll let me post it, um, from Congress, right. was it like two years that's ago? Right. Yeah, you can post it. Oh Where my gosh, that's right. See, I can't say that. Leo. I won't say that. I'll never put a Leo on again. Oh, your I, could be, I could be dared, and I would probably so. do it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But yeah, yeah, I think it's just it's like it's a gymnastics is a culture within itself right and I think there's an element of that statement that you say it to a gymnast and there's something that bond. everybody can relate to and it just draws and it's interesting because we that, all uh, we, a common we all bond speak the same language that life in a Leo is so there's like an understanding <laughs> there's like an inner understanding yeah if you were ever yeah. a gymnast so that everybody sort of connects to and gets Definitely. I love that it's a beautiful thing Thanks, Rebecca. That was fun. I agree. Well, Betty, thank you so much for time today. This was super awesome. As a gymnast that grew up in the 80s, Betty was an athlete that totally inspired me. She had such beautiful lines and grace to her gymnastics that was unique compared to the rest of the American team at that time. I hope you guys enjoyed learning more about her and how much mental toughness she displayed to achieve her dreams. It's pretty remarkable. It's so inspiring to hear her talk about her training and her growth through the sport. I just, I just really loved it. If you want to learn more about Betty and all the things she's doing now, definitely check out www.bettyocorio.com. That's B-E-T-T-Y-O-C-H-O-R-E-O.com. Or you can find her on Instagram at either Betty Okino or Betty O. Corio. If you want to see the spelling or find the actual links, check out our blog post on Rebecca's mom, Leotard's website, www.leotard.com. We've got a great little video, too, from one of Betty's camps. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope everyone's staying warm this weekend. Have a great meet if you're competing. And, of course, don't forget to point your toes.